thank you for listening to messages from Pastor Jack Marslander at Avondale Baptist Church. This message is from the series Jesus in the Gospel of Luke and was preached on March 12, 2023. If you don't recognize me, my name is Jack and I am your pastor and it is very good to be back in the pulpit today. Um, I do want to thank Jeremy who's done a great job the last couple of weeks of, of filling in, making sure things are going. Um, the job that he, um, we called him to do became a little bigger than he anticipated when he came, but he is up to it, and he has done a great job. And so, Jeremy, I want to thank you, and I want to thank you for not doing all the things that you threatened to do today. He was going to have a walker up here and a cane up here and a wheelchair up here and all those kinds of things up here. Um, I am recovering from surgery. If I seem a little lower energy than normal, that's because I have a little less energy today than normal. And the answer to everybody asking me, how do you feel? Old. I knew that was coming from somebody, and it doesn't surprise me, Samuel. Uh, Anyway, I do thank you. Today's passage is short, but very important. I want you to understand and believe this passage, and then you have a good grasp on who Jesus is, why Luke wrote it, and what our faith is all about. You misunderstand this passage, or you choose not to believe it, and you'll never understand the reason why Jesus came, the reason that Luke wrote, the faith that we possess, or God's plan for you. So only four verses, but I really want you to understand it, because in today's passage Jesus predicts his death and his resurrection again. He told his disciples that he would be arrested, tortured, crucified, and that he would rise on the third day. And the disciples honestly couldn't make sense of it. Why would Jesus have to die? I mean, you got to understand from their perspective, they were just beginning to understand Jesus was the Messiah, and the Messiah was going to make all things new. So why would he die now? That made no sense to them. And then they were coming to believe that he was and is the Son of God, God himself, and God dying just doesn't make any sense. And so when Jesus said these things would happen, don't, don't pick on the disciples for not understanding It was a challenge for them, and they couldn't grasp it at the time. But the death and resurrection of Jesus are at the very heart of our faith. Take them out, and you miss the whole point of who we are and what we believe. Take out the death and resurrection of Jesus, and think about what you're left with. If you take out the death and resurrection of Jesus, then you're just left with Jesus is a good man. Oh, the best man ever, but there have been other good men. Take out the death and resurrection of Jesus, and you're left with a great teacher. The greatest teacher ever, but there have been other great teachers. Take them out, the death and resurrection. And you're left with another founder of a major world religion, but there have been many others. Abraham, Buddha, Confucius. Muhammad. Take out the death and resurrection of Jesus and you're left with a man with incredible and miraculous powers. But there have been others, at least those who claim to have those kinds of powers. So you take away the death and resurrection of Jesus 
and nothing about our faith makes any sense. I tried to think of some examples. Maybe you can help me with these, and I'll use them in the second service. But I tried to think of some examples of what, what, what Christianity without the death and resurrection of Jesus would be like, and I came up with some dumb examples. So bear with me here, okay? Um, maybe it's still the medication. But it would be kind of like Michael Jordan without a jump shot, like Frank Sinatra or Taylor Swift without a voice, like Einstein without a brain. Like John Wayne without a gun or a horse. Like Tolkien without hobbits, elves, or dwarves. You take the death and resurrection out of the story of Jesus. And you take away his primary reason for coming. And really then our faith, even our church, makes no real sense. So I want us to read again this, this, this passage. Luke 18, 31 through 34 in which Jesus predicts his death and resurrection. And I pray that you and I can make more sense of it than the disciples did at first. Later, they would hang on to these words and would transform their lives. But on this day, they couldn't quite grasp the why and the what that it meant. So let's stand together, read Luke 18, verses 31 through 34. And this is how the passage reads. Very short Just a couple of verses, but here here it is. Jesus took the twelve aside, and he told them, We are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. He will be delivered over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, insult him, and spit on him. They will flog him and kill him. On the third day, he will rise again. The disciples did not understand any of this. Its meaning was hidden from them, and they did not know what he was talking about. You may be seated. And as I said, don't don't judge the disciples too harshly. This was a tough sell for them, and they couldn't quite get their, their, their mind around the fact that the Messiah, this great rabbi, this incredible teacher, this son of God, would end up dying at age 33. And then that he would come back. People just don't come back from death. And so it made no sense to them then. But I do want you to understand, this was a quiet time that Jesus had with his disciples. A private moment. Usually they were surrounded by followers, by people seeking healing, by enemies who wanted to attack him and argue with him, and by curiosity seekers. By this time in Jesus' ministry, really just a few weeks before he went into Jerusalem and was crucified, they didn't get many of those private moments, but the, the passage is clear. Jesus pulled his disciples away, and he was saying to them, listen, don't be dazzled by the crowds. Things are about to get extremely serious and deadly, just as the prophets foretold. Trust me on this. I know what's going to happen, and it's part of God's plan. They didn't understand it, but it probably helped them within just a few weeks. Maybe they remember these words when they saw Jesus on the cross, and as they were thinking it's all over, they got to thinking, no, no, it's not. Jesus told us this was going to happen. We don't know why, but Jesus knows why. And it had to give them great hope when they hurried to the empty tomb. 
He was right about his death. Maybe he's right about his resurrection. And so these words, though they didn't understand them at the time, stayed with them and I believe for the rest of their lives. So I want you to understand some things about this today. I want you to understand the passage. I want you to understand some things it tells us about Jesus. And I want you to understand some things it tells us about us. So first thing about the passage, I want you to know that this is the third time that Jesus used almost exactly these same words to tell his disciples. And he hinted at it many more times. This was not a one-off. Luke carefully records that Jesus regularly sat his disciples down and said, I want you to know what's coming. I want you to be prepared for what's coming. I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be tortured. I'm going to be killed, and I'm going to come back again. Right after the feeding of the 5,000, right after Peter made that famous declaration that Jesus was the Messiah, Luke 9.43 says, excuse me, Earlier in Luke 9, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. That was near the very beginning of his ministry. And then a little later, after amazing the crowds, when Jesus had healed a a young boy who had convulsions, Jesus again told his disciples, and listen to what it says. While everyone was marveling at all that Jesus did, Jesus said to his disciples, listen carefully to what I am about to tell you. The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. But they did not understand what that meant. It was hidden from them, so they did not grasp it, and they were afraid to ask him about it. I remind you of those things because we've kind of gone through the Gospel of Luke pretty slowly. And I wanted you to remember that this was an overall theme throughout Jesus' ministry. Some of the other Gospels tell other times in which Jesus did this. Whenever the disciples got to thinking, this is great, hallelujah, we got crowds, we got people, man, this is incredible. Jesus brought them back to earth by saying, wait, I want you to understand something. My own people, the Jews, are going to reject me. They're going to hand me over to the Gentiles. They're going to whip me, beat me, torture me, and kill me. But on the third day, I'm coming back. This regularly throughout his ministry. Why? Because that's the main point of his ministry. Jesus kept saying it and Luke kept recording it because the death and resurrection of Jesus is the heart of our faith. It's the main point of our faith. Take those two things away. The crucifixion of Jesus on the cross and the resurrection of Jesus on the third day. Take it away and we wouldn't have a whole lot left to talk about. We wouldn't have a church in which to talk about it. We could talk about the teaching and the miracles of Jesus, but there would be no forgiveness of sin. There would be no connection with God. There would be no hope for heaven. There would be nothing new at all. Jesus would just be the latest in a long line of good Jewish rabbis. The death and resurrection, that's why Jesus kept coming back to it. It's the main point of what we believe. And I also want you to notice that Jesus told the whole story. He just didn't talk about his death. He talked about his death and way beyond that. He gives the unbelievable addition, yes, I'm going to die, 
But on the third day, I am coming back. It's the resurrection, the rest of the story, which is the key to our faith. Predicting the time and manner of his death is pretty incredible for a 33-year-old to say that this is how I'm going to die. That's a pretty incredible thing. But accurately predicting the time and manner of his death and adding on the third day, I'm going to rise again, is totally and completely unprecedented. And that's why the disciples couldn't grasp it. They might be able to understand that a man knows he's going to die. But that a man would know he's going to die and on the third day be raised to life couldn't make any sense. That was a miracle of the highest possible order. I have a prediction. I'm going to die. That's no amazing prediction. You could all make it about yourselves. I'm going to die. But if I were to say, listen, I'm going to die. But don't worry. On the day of my funeral, I'm crawling alive out of the casket. You'd call for a mental health evaluation. And rightfully so. Death is predictable. Resurrection is not. And that's what Jesus told them. Yes, I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be tortured. I'm going to die. But I'm coming back alive. One of the challenges of being a long-term pastor is I have been to more funerals than I can count in my lifetime. Last time I counted, it was nearing 600 funerals that I have been to. They've all been different. Some were in church, many were in this church, some were in homes, some were in parks, some were at gravesides. One of those funerals lasted for three hours. One of those funerals lasted for five minutes. I've been in huge standing room only crowds, and I've been at a funeral in which there were just two of us, me and the funeral director. I've been to funerals for stillborn babies, and I've been to funerals for people over 100 years old. I've heard at these funerals English, Spanish, Italian, Navajo, Mojave, and maybe a few more. But they've all had one thing in common. At the end of the funeral, the dead was still dead. I mean, that's how life and death goes. But that's not how it happened for Jesus. He didn't just predict his death as amazing as that was. He predicted everything, including the resurrection. That's not ordinary. That was the final proof. If we needed one more, in addition to the miracles, in addition to the teaching, in addition to the fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophets, if we needed one more proof that Jesus is God, that was it. Because no one else comes back from the dead. I'm going to die. You're going to die. It's possible that Jesus comes back before that happens. But other than that, I'm going to die. You're going to die. We're going to stay dead on this earth. Jesus came back from the dead of his own power. No one had ever done that before. No one had ever done that before. And so, though he was giving his disciples some reality, I'm going to die. 
This is not going to turn out the way you think. He was also giving them incredible hope. But on the third day, I'm coming back. So what does that mean for us? First of all, the resurrection proves that Jesus has the power to forgive our sins. Every stupid and immoral thing you and I have done, and you've done more than your share, as have I. Every stupid and immoral thing that we have done can be forgiven and we can start over. And when we start over and we blow it again, we can be forgiven again and we can start over. And when we start over and we blow it again and we, God will forgive us again and we can start over. Because all of our sins can be forgiven. Because of what Jesus did on the cross and through the resurrection. We can have a reason for living that's more than be born, have fun, and die. We can know because we know that Jesus is the Son of God. We can know how to live. We're not dependent upon new laws, upon the most recent philosophy, the latest scientific advancement to understand how to live, what is right and wrong, to know more about life and death. We can know because Jesus came, died, rose again, and so we believe he's God. And we can know that this is not all that there is. Jesus blazed that path, and so we can have confidence in the future, no matter how incredible or tragic our life is. We know there's something better coming. You've all asked me how I'm doing today, and I keep telling you, I I just feel like an old man. I'm not always going to feel like an old man. I mean, that might be true for the next 15, 20, 25 years or how many years God grants me. I don't know, but there will come a time because I believe in what Jesus did that I will be raised up fully and completely in the full bloom of health. I will probably lose a little bit around the middle and I will get some hair color back and I will be able to take you all on, Samuel included, in arm wrestling and probably beat you. I will be as God created me to be and because of the death and resurrection of Jesus, I can believe that completely. None of these would be, these would be true. That's why Jesus kept coming back and saying, disciples, listen to me. Hey, disciples, you may not understand it now, but I want you to understand it someday. Hey, Matthew, Mark, John, I want you guys to pay attention to me. I'm going to die, but I am coming back. That is the heart of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So what does that teach us about Jesus? I want to tell you a couple things it teaches us about Jesus. It's a lot. Obviously, the first one, that he really is God. But I want to point out a couple of the characteristics of Jesus that this passage teaches us. First of all, it shows us that he has courage. Now understand this passage. It's only a few weeks, really, before the crucifixion. He knows what he will face. He's near Jericho, which is kind of the gateway on the major road to Jerusalem. It's only about a day's walk away from Jerusalem. And so he's at a crossroads. And I kind of imagine him looking there at the Jordan River. Jericho is over here in front of him. And I imagine him having to make a choice. Go that way, back towards Galilee. That's my home country. They love me there. That's where I'm from. That's where most of my disciples are from. That's where my biggest miracles were done. I will have crowds of thousands, and the people will applaud me. 
My enemies will be far away. Life will be good. And I will be able to help thousands of people there. Or I could go to Jerusalem. My enemies are waiting there. My people, my own people, the Jews, are going to turn against me. They will arrest me, and they will turn me over to the Romans only because they don't have the legal authority to crucify me. The Romans will beat me, torture me, strip me naked in front of the crowd, nail my hands and feet to a cross, and crowds will gather and laugh at me as I die. I'm going that way. That's incredible courage by Jesus. But that way I can help thousands, by the way. That way I can help billions. I'm going that way. To this day, courage remains a key but often overlooked characteristic of Jesus and his followers. And you and I need to pick this up from him. The courage to do what's right when everyone else says it's wrong and you know that it will lead to rejection even by people you love. That's courage. The courage to speak up against evil instead of keeping your mouth shut. That's the kind of courage Jesus had and the kind of courage his people need. The courage to take the hard path and not the easy path in life. The courage to be the one to reach out with love instead of responding with hate like everybody else around you. The courage to seek God and do His will instead of seeking the applause of the crowd. That's the courage Jesus had and the courage that His people need. The courage to speak truth instead of the mantra of your friends, your political party, or your fellow citizens. That's the courage Jesus had and the courage his people need. I want you to see his courage. I mean, well, of course, it's come easy for him. He's the son of God. No, he was born fully and completely as a human being, a man. And this was incredible courage. I can go that way and life is good. I can go that way and I die. That's what God wants. I'm going to die. How much courage do you have in your Christian faith? How much courage do I have? I wonder sometimes about me. I don't know. But life is so easy in America, we're not often called to make that choice. But in other countries, many people are. Courage tells us about Jesus. But it also points out his love. Most people today operate out of selfishness. I'll do what I want. Nobody's going to tell me how to live. I'm going to take care of me. Jesus operated instead of selfishness out of selflessness. 
love. For God so loved the world. You remember the verse? For God so loved the world. That's Jack, Jeremy, Dawn. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him will have everlasting life. A life worth living here on earth and a life that only gets better. It was courage I pointed out. But the motivation for that courage was love. Jesus chose the hard path because he loved me and he loved you. And that's the only way you and I were going to get salvation. That's the only way you and I were going to have our sins forgiven. That's the only way you and I would have a life worth living. That's the only way we could have confidence in the future. That's the only way we could get to heaven. And so Jesus had courage motivated by love. By the way, that's the kind of people you and I should be. That should define us. Courage motivated by love. So what about us? Do we understand what our faith is all about? That's what Jesus was trying to get through to his disciples. This is what it's all about, guys. I'm going to die and I'm going to rise again. That's the heart of the gospel of Jesus. Jesus is God, part of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He came to earth to do much good, but primarily to die and rise again for you and I. Do we believe it? Not just that Jesus lived, not just that Jesus was a good teacher, not just that Jesus was the founder of our religion, but that he died and rose again as the one and only Son of God. Without a belief in the resurrection, you don't have salvation. Because that's the key. He is God. He came to earth. He lived. He died. He rose again. He called you to believe in him. When I say you need to believe, those are the things you need to believe. So do you understand what our faith is all about? The death and resurrection of Jesus. Do you believe this? And a question for us, are we responding biblically? The first time Jesus told his disciples he was going to die. Immediately thereafter, while still talking to them, he went on to say this. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. You know what he's saying? Guys, I'm going to go and die. Are you with me? I'm going to go and die. Are you with me? Listen, faith in Jesus is not just a check the box, yes, I'm a Christian kind of response. He's looking for an all-in, I'm a disciple response. It's more than claiming Christianity is your faith. That's part of it. It's more than attending worship. That's part of it. It's more than joining a church. That's part of it. It's walking with Jesus, living by his standards, loving all people, loving like Jesus, doing what Jesus did, talking about Jesus, inviting others to follow Jesus. It's an all there is, no doubt about it. This is who I am at my core. I am a follower of Jesus. Does that describe me? That's a question for me. Does that describe you? That's a question for you. Because that was Jesus taught. Men, this is serious stuff. I'm going to be arrested, tortured, and die. Are you coming with me? 
the neat thing is all 12 disciples followed him to Jerusalem. Would we? Do we have the courage and the love to do what Jesus calls us to do today? To respond to him 100%. Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslinder. You can find out more about our church at abcaz.net and you can find Pastor Jack's sermons on most podcast apps. Thank you for listening and may God bless you.